Hi, this is David Shoemaker, and I'd like to welcome you to Living Thelema. Well, once again, we've gotten some great suggestions via Facebook and email in terms of potential uh, topics for our segments. And this month's segment is one that was suggested uh, by a listener. Um, The topic is getting started with a daily magical regimen. Now, this is going to cover the basics. I recognize that uh, many of you may have already gotten started with your own practices uh, long ago, but um, I think there's a, there is a need for beginners to get an overview of the practices available to the, to the beginner and, most importantly, why one would choose to do certain practices. Um, this is where I think there's a deficit in terms of what's been written and what's available out there for beginners. There's a lot out there in terms of what are the basic rituals, what are the fundamental performance details of those rituals, and so on. But what I haven't seen as much of, and what I want to try to do with today's podcast, is to talk about why we would choose certain practices as beginners. In other words, what are our training goals? What specific skills are we trying to build right at the outset? and what choices might that lead us to make in terms of the practices that we work with. Um, I think when people are getting started, the the basic classic magical training goal kind of falls into the broad category of uh, be an incredibly powerful magician, you know. But as we know, uh, setting goals like that that are that vague and that broad may not be the most useful way of getting started with any endeavor. So let's try to break that down into the, as I said, the specific skills and training goals that we that we have um, right at the outset. Now, the advice I'm going to be giving you today assumes that you're not already working in an organization that has specific uh, assigned tasks and practices for you. Of course, if you if you are, then you're going to want to consult with your teacher before um, you know revamping what you're doing because of my advice today. Um, But if you're not working in such a system or there's latitude in the system in which you're working for incorporating some of these ideas, great. So here are my nominations for the basic training goals that would be appropriate for a beginning magician. Um, First of all, you need a set of practices that will provide magical hygiene, the magical equivalent of brushing your teeth. You need uh, to be able to cleanse your energy system, whether you define that psychologically or in, in a more um, subtle ways, uh, what we might classically call fortifying the aura, charging the body of light. You need to be building your ability to call forth magical force. You need to be building the ability to healthfully tolerate this magical force in increasing levels of intensity. You need to be building your ability to direct the magical force that you've called forth and direct it specifically to the magical aims um, that you might have established. In an entirely different category, you need to have the basics of yoga in your practice. And what I mean by this most specifically is um, beginning practices in asana, posture, uh, and dharana, concentration. And clearly what you're doing here is you're increasing your, your capacity to focus your mind. 
Um, as we all know, if you can't focus the mind, generally speaking, you're certainly not going to be able to all of a sudden focus your mind appropriately when you're in a magical ritual and direct the force the way you need to. Um, you need to begin internalizing symbol systems in your daily magical work. Uh, you need to internalize the tree of life as a model for your yourself, your psyche. Um, memorizing and internalizing the correspondences related to the, the Sephiroth and the paths on the tree of life, for example. Uh, lots of the other kinds of correspondences that you see in, in 777 and elsewhere. Um, finding a way to, to build these symbol systems into your daily work so that you really live and breathe them, ultimately. You also need, in your basic training, to develop the discipline of the magical diary. Um, frankly, this is just a, an extension of the self-discipline that's required for all of these things, but the diary in particular is so fundamental and so important in terms of uh, your future work that you just got to get that down at the beginning. You really got to get on the daily rhythm of writing no matter what. And finally, and certainly not least importantly, um, your basic training in magic should begin to forge that conscious link to the Holy Guardian Angel um, through inflaming yourself in prayer, however you define prayer. The key is the inflaming. And we've touched on this a little bit in past podcasts, but uh, you need to have some practices every day right from the beginning that get your aspiration muscles going, you know, that get you... Uh, inflamed in, in, in some sort of devotional practice, aspirational practice that, uh, that fires you up. So that's an overview of what the goals are. And uh, let me talk a little bit about how you're going to achieve those goals, how you might set up the beginning practices, and uh, we'll kind of walk you through different phases of your training as we go along. Now, I've divided the basic training that I'm going to describe up into four phases. Um, some of these may be as brief as uh, a few weeks um, or less. Some may take months or, or much longer. Um, but even by phase four of this set of practices that I'm going to describe today, um, this is really still just basic work. Um, so please understand that... Um, you know, there's so much more out there, and, and of course, this is just going to get you started. Um, so in phase one, you're, you're brand new to magical practice. Um, the most fundamental and important practice of all is your ability to let go of outside distractions and relax your body. Um, this is really not exciting to people when they, when they uh, enter into magical work to, to have so much focus be on simply relaxing. But believe me, if you can't control your level of arousal, your level of relaxation, um, how can you possibly control the other things you're, you're going to attempt to control later on? Um, this is so fundamental and is such a basic muscle to have strengthened that I can't emphasize it enough. So in phase one, you're going to start 
every practice session by simply sitting for a few minutes and letting go of any cares and concerns of the outer world and simply be in the space. And um, as you settle in, uh, let's say you're, you know, you're, you're sitting in a, a favorite posture of yours and chair, or even lying on the floor, whatever. Uh, as you settle in, you're going to begin to work with some form of breathing practice. Now, this is not only to enhance and deepen the relaxation, but also to form the, the basic foundations of pranayama practice that may come later. Regardi has some great suggestions in terms of the fourfold breathing pattern where you have um, uh, an even, evenly spaced breathing pattern of, uh, you know, in, hold, out, hold, um, just for a few seconds each, each direction. Nothing very advanced. We're not talking about Lieber E level um, beginning pranayama here. We're talking about simply witnessing the breath, making it regular and rhythmic. Um, don't focus on trying to make the breathing super slow or anything like that. Just focus on getting that air to the diaphragm and getting into a regular pattern. Your ability to begin to regularize the breathing in this way actually serves another function, which is to to enhance your um, your ability to control the energy resonant in breath. So this isn't simply a relaxation. This is uh, this is much more than that. Um, also, in phase one, I suggest you begin you memorize and begin working with Libra Resh. Um, refer you to my. Uh, very first Living Thelema segment on the practices of Libra Resh. And uh, you might also begin the practice of saying will at meals. And I'm going to suggest that you do only the practices that I've just described. No pentagram rituals, no nothing fancy. Just relaxation, fourfold breathing, Libra Resh, and will at least for a couple weeks on a daily basis at least, probably longer than that. Again, I recognize that this will be a little um, anticlimactic to, to someone who's excited to get started with, with magic. But really, uh, what you're doing right now, psychologically, magically, physically, is setting the foundation for every single thing you will ever do in your magical career. So do this right. Do this beginning stage right. I urge you. So after a few weeks or more of phase one, uh, you're ready to move on to phase two and add some things. I'm going to suggest in phase two you add the lesser ritual of the pentagram in both its banishing and invoking forms, um, or and or you may wish to work with the star ruby as well. Uh, I haven't done a living Thelema segment yet on the star ruby, but I did one on the lesser ritual of the pentagram, so you might want to listen to that for performance advice and, and other matters. Um, now, I said both the invoking and banishing forms of the lesser ritual of the pentagram, and one of the reasons behind that is, you know, I've talked about magical hygiene, keeping yourself magically clean, so to speak, and you've got banishings for that. But the invoking form of the pentagram ritual uh, is is also very effective in building your tolerance for energy, your ability to call it forth, your ability to channel that energy into, among other things, visualizations of 
the the archangels in the ritual, um, the drawing of the pentagrams themselves, all of those things represent your mind serving as a channel for the energy that um, that then flows into those forms that that you shape it into. Um, so something like the pentagram rituals uh, is really multifaceted in its effect here. You also begin to internalize through practices like this. You begin to internalize the symbol systems, like I was saying. You begin to work with um, the Hebrew hierarchies, uh, the archangels and such. You begin to associate the quarters with the elements, with the the subjective experience of those uh, specific types of energies and you start to, to form your own inner language about this. Then also here um, in phase two, add some formal asana practices. Pick any posture. Listen to my Living Thelema segment on asana and pranayama. Uh, pick any posture that suits you to start and um, just practice sitting still in that posture while you do some beginning dharana practices, concentration practices. I suggest just a simple visual focus, you know, your classic uh, focusing on the red equilateral triangle um, and simply try to hold that uh, and count your breaks, the breaks of your concentration and begin to keep good uh, diary records of the conditions of these experiments. Um, so in phase two, you've added the pentagram rituals of one sort or another and uh, asana and dharana Practice this for at least a month. Again, always feel free to extend this, but I would say at least a month. Then uh, move to phase three, at which point I suggest you could add um, some form of the middle pillar exercise, as described by Rigardi, including the circulations. Um, now, one of the key things here is, in terms of what the middle pillar does, is this is going to be, once again, kind of kicking up your energy system a notch in terms of its ability to tolerate call forth, tolerate, and direct a magical force. Um, you begin to reinf you reinforce the, um, the divine names associated with the energy centers of the body, as in the middle pillar ritual. Um, but I think maybe even most importantly, you, are, you now have some tools in the middle pillar for inflaming yourself. It's not that you didn't have these tools before in the aspects of, say, the pentagram ritual that, that lend themselves to um, experiencing the awe of an encounter with an archangel or the feeling and visualization of, of the, the pentagram flaming about you and the, and the hexagram at the center. Um, so those tools were there, but here with, with the middle pillar, you have a real key, which is that visualization of the crown center as a sphere above your head and, you know, throwing all of yourself into that symbol of Kether, of the highest light of your holy guardian angel, um, being able to, to begin the practice of aspiring to unite with those highest ideals, those highest forms of energy of which you can conceive, uh, you know, and, and to build that in as a daily aspirational and devotional practice linked with 
the hygienic nature of of the middle pillar ritual and the the energetic empowerment that comes with it. Also in phase three, I will suggest that you add some meditations on the Sephiroth and the paths below Tefereth. Um, you might refer to the Book of Thoth for um, some suggested themes and phrases associated with the the 22 paths and that sort of thing. Look in the, in the back of, of that book for some, some great ideas for um, you know, focusing your meditations. Um, so what I'm doing here is suggesting that at this point, when you've got a base of practice in some of these um, other techniques, you bring in more explicit work with correspondences, with these symbol systems. Again, you're trying to internalize these, um, seal them up in your blood, so to speak, and, and really make your life um, inextricably linked with the symbol system that relates to the, the, the system of initiation that you're trying to work. So phase three, I suggest you spend a bit more time with, um, at least six months or so. And then finally, you move on to phase four. And here I'm going to suggest you add the lesser ritual of the hexagram. Did a living Thelema segment on this, so refer to that. Um, remember that the hexagram ritual originally would have been in the Golden Dawn, for example, would have been added to um, the practices of an initiate only at the second order level, once the initiate had symbolically traversed the spheres and paths below Tefereth. So that's why I suggested in phase three that you focus your meditations on the spheres and paths below Tefereth, so that you um, can bring a greater sense of meaning and relevance to the hexagram ritual when you actually begin practicing it. Those of you who are in some sort of Golden Dawn-derived order um, probably have that kind of thing built in. But if you don't, you can replicate that for yourself by, by uh, kind of symbolically going through the grades, if you will. Um, you may wish to experiment with the Star Sapphire as a hexagram-derived ritual, but remember that the Star Sapphire really has no banishing form. Um, and in my mind is has a slightly different purpose than your traditional lesser ritual of the hexagram. So, you know, at this stage, if, if it's up to me in terms of what I'm suggesting to you, I'm going to suggest you work with the, the classic uh, lesser ritual of the pentagram um, as described in its more or less thelemic form in, in uh, my podcast and the traditional lesser ritual of the hexagram. Okay, so that's the four phases that I'm going to recommend as basic training. And um, let me give you some general recommendations for getting started that really uh, apply to all of these phases and are, are just uh, pretty broadly useful. Um, the first thing I want to say is that rhythm is really important in daily work. Uh, I've said this from time to time in other contexts that uh, rhythm is one of the languages that is naturally spoken by the unconscious mind and rhythm and symbol. And um, if you can begin to show your unconscious, uh, essentially prove to it that you're tuning into its language by kind of uh, having an appointment with it each day where you uh, roughly the same time of day um, and on a consistent daily basis are stilling your mind and showing up for, for work, 
you'll find that I, I think you'll find that, that your own unconscious um, and your whole spiritual system sort of gets into sync better than if it's than if you're doing practices at random times and missing days all over the place. Um, I suggest six days a week of practice. Go ahead and give yourself a day off. Build it in. Um, don't set yourself up for failure by setting unrealistic goals where you're going to, you know, do four hours of ritual, seven days a week, and et cetera. That's, that's way too, too strenuous uh, and unrealistic for a beginner. So give yourself a day off. Plan for six days a week practice. Um, following the gradually building curriculum that I've described here. Um, and that way you will not start yourself off by feeling like you're failing by, uh, you know, setting your goals unrealistically. Um, I suggest you consider at least an electronic diary. Um, I know there is great beauty in having a, a nice personal journal um, that you can take pride in and it's physical and, you know, we magicians tend to like books and things like that. So nothing wrong with that. But I tell you what, if you have an electronic diary, um, it makes it so easy to, uh, search for certain passages, keywords, um, you may wish to cut and paste a, a certain, you know, series of, of workings that you've done for a particular purpose. For example, I keep, I keep my diary electronically in a, in a word processing program, and I'd done a series of scryings of the 30 Enochian Aethers. So I wanted to extract those into a separate document that was dedicated just to that. So having this electronic diary made it easy to search for you know, say the keyword Aether, you know, from across the many weeks um, that I was doing these and pull out those particular entries and combine them. Um, so that's a little harder to do with a paper diary. I suggest you do your diary entry as soon as possible after concluding the ritual, preferably in the same space. Um, people have different preferences in terms of having a computer, you know, near the ritual space, uh, but whether it's paper diary or computer diary, I find that you'll retain more of what happens if you do it immediately and if you haven't essentially distracted yourself from the mode of consciousness of your magical work by walking out into another part of the house and, you know, interacting for 10 seconds with your significant other and, you know, petting the cat and then sitting down and trying to remember all the details of what you did in ritual 20 minutes earlier. Try to get to it right away. Um, now, everybody's going to mess up and have days where they don't do anything. You know, um, you'd intended to do your daily work and you just, it just didn't happen for whatever reason. I say it's far better to have a diary entry for that day that simply says, I didn't do my work today. I got distracted or I was lazy or, you know, the dog ate my homework, whatever it is you need to say. You don't have to apologize for it. You don't have to beat yourself up, but just keep the discipline of the diary by having a note that says nothing done today in terms of personal work. Um, you might want to look at some sample diaries along these lines from the Thelemic um, tradition. And some of the best ones to look at are things like John St. John, which is Crowley's diary, uh, Master of the Temple, which is Fradrachad's diary with Crowley supervising it. And for, um, 
really interesting insights into an absolute beginner working under Crowley. Um, not to toot my own horn a little bit, but uh, the Jane Wolf Chefalu diaries give some really interesting uh, insights into what Crowley was expecting of beginners and how he was expecting people to pace themselves and what they were supposed to record in the diary. So um, all three of those works have uh, great examples to get you started on, on diary work. Finally, and quite importantly, please remember that especially at this early stage, fear is never helpful. Shame is never helpful. Beating yourself up for what you did or didn't do is never helpful. Um, don't be afraid to experiment. Don't be afraid to have trial and error. Don't be afraid to fail at stuff and pick yourself back up. Just because I didn't mention some other practice, you know, some Enochian work or uh, some sort of what you perceive as more advanced work, um, just because I didn't list that here, that's not to say that, oh, just shy away from that at all costs, it's bad, you'll, you'll fry yourself or something. Don't, don't have fear about this. It's okay to experiment. As long as you're doing the basic practices that I've been describing in terms of the day-to-day -day hygiene and empowering yourself to tolerate magical force and direct it, as long as you're keeping up with that stuff, you're unlikely to run into serious trouble. Um, when you have fortified yourself with these basic practices, that strength carries you forth into whatever other practices you choose to do. So I hope today's discussion has been useful for you. As always, I look forward to your comments and on this episode, but also suggestions for future topics. Once again, I want to direct you to uh, my email address for these comments is uh, livingthelema at me.com. Also, please visit livingthelema.com for uh, more information. And I've got a Living Thelema page on Facebook as before. Also, the Speech in the Silence has recently begun posting on its YouTube channel um, the Living Thelema segments broken out on their own along with many of the other excellent programs that have been on Speech in the Silence. So you might visit the YouTube channel if you want to um, catch the bits and pieces that have appeared um, uh, individually. So thank you very much for listening, and I'll look forward to talking to you next time.